0: Sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine Podcast with Griff and Tony.
1: Hey, what's up, everyone? Griff here. Uh, Another dreary, cold episode of the uh, Beer Engine Podcast here in uh, another dark grey November day here in Chicago uh as always i am joined by my co-host in probably sunny warm uh, pleasant australia he's currently unemployed but by golly we know he will be back to work soon because i just saw that the new yorker opened up a, a new staff writer uh, role um which i think will be uh, right up his alley it's tony tony how you doing
0: I'm, do, I'm doing well. I just um, need mo- more of this job description, like staff writer for The New Yorker. Does that mean that I'll have to be drawing my own cartoons as well, or is this strictly a writing position? Is it an op-ed position? What What's the go I mean, with it? Based,
1: so my understanding is that uh, if you're at least filling the, the job uh, of the last fellow, you kind of have to write some, like, sort of um, middle-of-the-road uh, neoliberal shit and then – If you do a zoom call, um, you're going to have to pull a a gold spike made on the, on the zoom call. I think those are the kind of the main job descriptors that they listed where something along like the lines of like sort of repeat some CNN headlines, um, draw cartoons that, uh, you have to think about for 45 minutes before it's just like, Oh, the ostrich was dead. And then, um, uh, pull your schlong out and wank it uh, in front of the, your uh, f- all of your colleagues. I think those are the three things it said. Can you put? Can you pull that off? Literally,
0: I, I think I can do the writing part. That's not an issue. I think all I'm going to do is essentially um, look at John Kasich. I think he's the perfect example of this neoliberal slash uh, the
1: perfect. Perfect American. I'm just interrupting you to tell you to make sure you said the right word. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. He he is the
0: perfect (laughs) American. He is he is milk toast in every sense of the word. He is not disturbing to look at, aka Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, but he's not not handsome in any any regard. He is right down the center. His ideas are dull. Boring and off base, so I think he's the perfect guy to, to get his point of view and write from. And as far as fapping behavior, I'm not sure whether I could I could perform the way, say, a Jeffrey Tubin can. I'm not sure I could I can manage that. Um, bit of stage fright going on. I'm bad enough um, at a football game where there's there's even the dividers that that still gives me stage fright. Give me a cubicle, give me doors, and that's just peeing.
1: Okay. Oh, okay. I get what you're saying. I was like, uh, he didn't get, he didn't get in trouble for peeing. Uh, at least I don't, I mean, I don't think he did.
0: Um, I'm just saying that I'm, I'm bad enough with stage fright with peeing, let alone, um, managing to do anything more than that. Um, yeah. Stage fright is a real thing.
1: Oh yeah. There is all kinds of stuff that gets people horny that I've never, I've never been able to understand. Um, and this, this was another one. I mean, obviously it's into the same, like, well, I don't know. I, I don't believe he was actually trying to uh, so, uh, according to him anyways, and I you know, you should always trust a man's word, especially a man who just whipped his shit out in front of his colleagues. <laughs> but um uh I believe according to him he said he was involved in a separate um unrelated call with a lover, virtual lover, I suppose, and uh was Showing off the goods, I suppose. Now, um, that's just not even that. We'll say is not one of the things that could possibly ever. I don't think make get me get me going. Um, and I think I've mentioned this in either this on this show or in other shows or in history at some point, but there's all kinds of stuff that turns people on. I know this is true for lots of stuff, but all kinds of stuff that's not even weird fetishes that I freaks me out. Like food does not get me horny. Um, actually I'm the, I'm the opposite of horny when I'm eating. I, the idea of being horny while I'm eating is very disgusting. <laughs> um, and then like the, the thing, the pulling off in front of people is like, is so far out of my, like My brain has a hard time even wrapping around that that I'm so embarrassed about myself at all times. And uh, the funny thing is that the people who are into it should also be embarrassed about themselves. (laughs) And in fact, have even maybe written or done comedy about how embarrassed they are of themselves. (laughs) And then then as it turns out, uh, maybe those observational uh, moments where it, it turned out those weren't so real after all. And you know what, I think we have to have Brian back on the show to see if all these stories he's been telling us are true, because now I'm starting to uh, wonder if some of this stuff was maybe cooked up in his brain. Um, I, of course, everybody on this show knows I would never make anything happen. Everything I'm telling you is the 100% God's honest truth at all times.
0: Absolutely. Look at the amount of jobs I've had. Um, and very rarely have I been fired.
1: Have you heard the guy talk? Do you think he could keep a job for more than a week? Give me a break, right? You know, that's real.
0: <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I'm just that good at my job. I've been headhunted so often.
1: Mm. Yeah, your LinkedIn your is just on fire all the time. You're getting those emails that I get um, that say like, uh, wow, uh, views on your LinkedIn dropped by 6,000% over the past <laughs> two years. Yours say they're up like 15 million percent. Just people just eyeing that thing up like, oh, another interesting article from my peer and and confidant, uh, uh, Tony, the guy from the podcast. Yeah, you're blowing up.
0: Is LinkedIn the most annoying emails that you get? Because, yes, I should unsubscribe my uh, LinkedIn emails, but they've got to be some of the worst Emails, as far as annoyance goes to me, they're not poorly formatted, but like they, they pick out random people that, that you may know or, or or sort of may be involved with and, and you look at it and you're five degrees away from that person, but they're really trying to push sort of engagement on that particular platform and it just drives me crazy.
1: I, I did uh, I did have an article get posted on LinkedIn a handful of years ago. Um, so if you just search Griff on LinkedIn, you'll see it. Um, just type in Griff on LinkedIn. You should have no trouble finding it. And uh, it was about beer, of course. It was about um, the drunkest I've ever gotten and how much I threw up in liters. And I posted that on LinkedIn. Job offers flowed in for a while. And as you know now, I mean, my, my engagement is way down. So tough break for me, of course.
0: How many deciliters did you vomit up?
1: Deciliters. Um, I think that's got to be somewhere in the. I, I don't. I actually couldn't tell you if that means I did 0.1 or 1,000, but somewhere uh, in the middle, probably. <laughs> uh, so, Tony, of course, uh, things are going well here. Yes, I know last week we did our uh, sort of election day wrap up, and um, you know, a week later, uh, and as as we both predicted. Uh, the Clearly, the election of Joe Biden has, I believe, cured all of America's ills. Um, things are now back to normal, quote unquote. Um, it, uh, everyone was right. Trump was merely the product of himself. Uh, nothing else created him. His followers all abdicated um, from his sort of uh, greatness and recanted any of their prior statements about it. And he just sort of floated away into the ether, uh, sort of like a Mary Poppins type figure. And we don't ha- and it just doesn't exist anymore. And now America is back to being good, which it was, I guess in 2014. Um, so that's the good news. From the States. Tony, have you guys heard a lot of the same in Australia? Uh, pretty much, I would guess.
0: Well, it depends who you're listening to. Yes, most of the national news organisations are, are talking about how America's going to see a return to normalcy. And then you've got Sky News. Oh, Sky News has just been amazing because they've been pushing more conspiracy theories, more rhetoric than even Fox News, not to say, a hyper-partisan, like a hyper-hyper-partisan, because Fox News is hyper-partisan, but not to a Newsmax or um, One News America level, but it is fun to watch Australian conservative commentators blather on about how Trump has been duped out of this election. It essentially has nothing to do with Australia, and it's just them trying to um, slide their way up the News Corp ladder so that that's been fun to watch but my most fun thing out of all this has been Rudy Giuliani of course um I really like his, his starring turn in uh Borat the movie with the long ass title name for a deliberate joke the second <laughs> right, yeah, movie whatever right,
1: that's yeah. called so on and so forth yeah right yeah. number two
0: um but my favorite was him booking the wrong four seasons uh did you hear about this
1: of course oh yeah the was everywhere the landscaping place um very funny uh by the time this comes out we everybody will have forgotten about that but it was it was very excellent when when that happened i got yeah i, I got a ton of joy out of that it, it was it looked but the funny thing is I, uh, I i've asked about this in the past and i i've always been unsure about it so trump trump commercials here and I didn't see very many of them because I live in Illinois and you wouldn't bother advertising here, of course, doesn't make any sense. But when I was in Michigan, we did see a lot of the ads, the Biden ads and the and the Trump ads and the Biden ads are very slick. Um, but the Trump ads are very, uh, I guess, uh, haphazard. I and mean, a lot of them are. I mean, they're, they're pretty thrown together. They have a like Donald's rental rental or used car, rent a car type feel about them you know um and there was one that was about like thank you mr president for bringing back michigan state football and i'm like put michigan state football back you don't want that if you're in michigan (laughs) it's like thank you thanking him for for bringing back illinois football like we didn't want it you can keep it you don't need it um so just really weird stuff but i think there's something i think there's something to the trump voter or, or the the in the proximity of the Trump voter, at least that finds that charming, that finds that sort of um, within there, uh, that all of a sudden, you know, he's just like us, right? He has to sort of hobble together an ad <laughs> to get out there, and it's a uh, it's it's really they're really bad, really bad stuff.
0: Yeah, but I think that that's effective because I think these super sleek Biden ads. They, they play into sort of that, which is true, the inauthenticity of somebody like a, a politician. And, and Trump is as inauthentic as anybody, but at, at least if he's breaking the fourth wall, whether it be deliberate or not... Um, People can perhaps get on board with that messaging compared to a slick political campaign. We've seen it. We're savvier than that in the most part. Are we savvier about the ideas? No. But are we savvier about the presentation? Yes. Um, and I think that's where where Trump holds an advantage in in sort of this um, this cycle of of PR. I think the idea that things are unfiltered is is more um praise than actual whether it's correct or not trump just spouting off his mouth even if every single tweet gets censored is more authentic to people than than the actual truth if it looks too slick
1: yeah but the problem is now that uh i think he's i, I think he's siphoned off so much support at this point that i don't think i don't think i think this is sort of the end of the line honestly but I've said that before, and I thought it was true. So um, it does feel like uh, just sort of flying off the handle to no point, right? Uh, you sort of start to realize that none of this stuff has ever happened, right? None of this stuff that he's even said would happen, in from a legislative perspective, ever got done. So whatever, you know, you don't you don't really know what to what to do with it.
0: The one thing that people said about Trump that has come true and is absolutely still a hundred percent true is that he is a grifter, and he's, he's shown that clearer than anything. He's not a despot. He's a wannabe dictator, but he is more a grifter, and I think he's four years in office with the perfect example is his health care plan. That was going to be released every two weeks. Uh, we are three three years and nine months into a presidency, and we're not going to get it now, And but it just shows what a grifter he is, and that is the one prediction most people got right it's the only one most people got right but that i think we can say with 100 percent certainty the guy is a grifter
1: yeah he's a grifter and he brought all the other grifters out including the resistance grifters which are uh really really funny too and those guys have been but sort of i think simultaneously uh celebratory and also panicked for their jobs you know the what's the, the doctor who responds to every fucking Trump tweet um, and the uh, Jeff Tiedrich guys and Krasenstein guys. And um, hell, I, uh, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of her. So whatever, that won't be surprising to anybody, but Sarah Cooper, I don't think she's funny in the slightest and she's gotten rich by literally just repeating what Trump said uh, or not, or like lip syncing what Trump said. And, and then putting it out to a million people. I'm like, yeah, I think the good idea is to get more people hearing what he's saying. I'm sure that'll be good to do. Um, this his message as far and wide as possible. Um, yeah, but of course, Tony, as we know, like I said, all that stuff aside, of course, everything's great here. So um, just like I say every episode, everything's... <laughs> Going according to plan, uh, whatever that plan is. And, of course, the founding fathers were there setting it forward with us, um, signing it while their you know, slaves looked on and stuff. And, of course, everything they say was good. Optimistic, as you can tell. Uh, but, Tony, I, I can't complain too much because I had a, a really good to be fair. Um, it was like 70 degrees here all weekend in November in Chicago. Shocking. You know, never happens. Um, so I took advantage of that, and I went and got me um, some lager. Uh, Tony, have you heard of this 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 stuff, this lager stuff?
0: Now, like I'm familiar with with beer, and I know what beer is, which is a a, a white to a brown color liquid that is very very hazy all the time. Uh, is this this lager a variation on that? Is it is it yeah. more flavorful? Does it bring? Like more haze to, to the party? What's the go with this newfangled lager?
1: I couldn't tell you anything about it except that it's about 3.25. But uh, I had a couple of them. Uh, I actually checked out a new lager brewery here in the area. We actually – Chicago is a remarkable place. We have, we have four brewery. Well, let's say three. I'm going to say three, actually, because the fourth, I think, has gone off the rails a little bit. But <laughs> we have three breweries here in the area that are solely dedicated to making lager. Um, so Metropolitan and Dove, Dovetail. Like, OK, no, that's a lot. Well, they make um, they'll make uh, like cool ship beer, too. But that's a whole other thing. So we'll say they're mostly lager. And then uh, much, and uh, now this place called Goldfinger are just on the full on the lager train. It's unbelievable. So Goldfinger was the one we went to this weekend. Excellent. You know, uh, hard hard to speak more about the the challenge with logger is it's hard for me to describe it in more terms than just like this was on point. I guess you know what I mean. Um, they did it right. So they had a, they had sort of a Hellas style. They had a very snappy pills, and they had a Vienna logger. They had an Oktoberfest that was that was sold out. So that's the three beers they had. It's the three beers I drank. They were all lovely. The Vienna had nice, you know, caramel sort of depth to it. The pilsner snapped really clean. The lager was very you know, had all that like biscuit lingering yeast flavor. Yep. It was lovely. It was perfect. It was a hot, hot day for the for the uh for November, which meant that I was still, you know, wearing jeans and a sweater, but we'll take it. Um, and we got to sit outside, which was the most important part. They had a good, safe patio, so I was pretty happy with that. Um, Tony, what, were you up to anything this weekend? I, I know you guys are still pretty well locked down, but you getting into any beers or anything?
0: Not really. It's been a really slow week. I had a bunch of beers um, with um, my good buddy from Melbourne Cup, which I spoke about on, on last week's show Um, True, yeah. And and we were socially distant and whatever else. But I will say there was a highlight coming out of it. I don't think I scored it on Untapped by Ocean Reach Brewing, and they put out an ESB. And that's sort of been my highlight. And it's kind of like the same problem that you have describing lager ESB is a very specific style. It brings what it brings. So a well-defined ESP is not going to um, sort of reinvent the wheel. It's just going to be a perfect example of that style of beer. It's what it is, yep. Yep. And this was an Australian-made ESB, and it was as good as the European ESBs, specifically the English ESBs that I've had, your Thomas Fuller's. um, And this was in a can. So new style packaging, not trying to um, do the the old fashioned packaging in the bottle and rousing the yeast and whatever else. But I really found it had th- those toffee notes, those um, right. biscuity notes that you you get in a good ESB that's not just all sweet caramel. And
1: well, it's nice. It's nice to drink a beer like that with a lot of flavour. That has uh, that's like what, 4%, 5, 4.5% alcohol? Maybe, yeah. Uh, I would guess. It,
0: it, I think it came in around the the 5% um, region, but but not over the top. Um, right. And just just on point for the style. And it's like when you're talking about the lager, like how do you describe a Hellas? Um, if you've described one Hellas, how do you differentiate that from another Hellas? Because, um...
1: <laughs> Get worse or better, you know what yeah, I mean?
0: Yeah. Yep, yep, that's exactly right. It's it's like trying to describe what is a good chicken palm and what is a bad chicken palm. A chicken palm is a chicken palm, and you can either say they're they're good or they're they're not good. And and that's the problem with these more traditional beer styles and these these narrower beer styles. You can't say that they they brought all these other descriptors into them. And I I completely understand where you're coming from in that regard.
1: And I think I'm just too stupid. I mean, people rate, people rank the ten best lo- like Hellas loggers in the world. Um, none of those people will ever be me, but they they'll just go. like, okay, this one had, you know, here's my tasting notes, you know, and they're writing down like three, four different, you know, sort of specific tasting notes for each one of these, and then ranking them in some way. That is just outside of my depth. If you hit the notes on the on the Hellas, I'm just gonna be like, mmm, you know, yet again. Uh, you guys have hit the right notes, and this is uh, tasting, you know, like the things I wanted it to taste like. It's uh, got Pilsner malt, and it's got a yeasty flavour to it, and it's uh, kind of a longer finish than a Pills. Perfect, you know.
0: <laughs> and this may be something that we can get into, but this is the advantage that a narrow, the both – the, the weakness and the advantage that a style like this has over a vast style like IPA. When you pick up an IPA, uh, outside of trusting the brewer's description, do you know what you're going to get? When you pick up an ESB, it's going to be in this narrow range. You you, yeah. you basically know what you're going to get. If you feel like a lager and, and specifically say you want a, a Hellas, when you pick up a Hellas, you know it's going to taste basically like right. every other house, and if you're in the mood for that, it's absolutely perfect. When you go somewhere and you, it says IPA, well, what kind of IPA am I going to get? Am I going to get right. a, a West Coast um, IPA that's that's way off the bitter scale? Am I get, going to get something on the hazy side? Am I going to get some 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 gloop action, or am I going to get like a session um, overly hopped pale, or or? Anything in between? Am I going to get a sour beer? For all we know, with with the way that I, IPAs have been marketed, mm-hmm. so that is a weakness for IPA and an advantage for these styles. But then when you come to a, a venture like Untapped, it's very hard to then then score the, these narrower sc- styles. It's easier the con- for the consumer to choose this stuff, but I think it's harder to have them scored and the nuance in r- rating systems. And it's a well,
1: big- part of it is. I mean, I hate. When I see a beer list that has something called an American IPA, I'm just like, well, what is that now? (laughs) You know, we don't, we're out of, we've got too many, there's there's too many options, right? For what that could possibly be. Is it like two-hearted, which people have been calling like a Midwest IPA, you know, is it like stone IPA, you know, or or something along those lines? Is it like, you know, uh, is it hazy? Is it um, juicy? Is it, you know, whatever, there's a million things that could be And there's just no, you know, there's no point. And I I guess that sort of brings me to this thing I saw today, actually, Tony, was that, uh, well, there's a, there's a, there's a fellow named Phil McFarland who used to run a bar in Chicago called small bar. And uh, they had a great beer list, they had a bottle list, all this stuff, but he sort of made it a point to only have 12 taps. And, uh, which sounds like, I mean, it's a good amount of taps to maintain and, and sort of keep good beer on. And he had four beers, I think, or maybe it was four or six that he w- that were the same all year. He had the, he had like Allagash white and gumball head and something, you know, two other beers. Maybe one of them was too hearted, I don't know. Um, he just had them year round, no matter what they, those were always going to be there. And he said something on Twitter today that was like, uh, too many options a roads customer count uh, consumer confidence. How will you ever feel good about the one IPA you picked out out of 40 options? Um, this has been a big driver of craft beer headwinds. So, you know, you go to a bar, they have 30 IPAs on draft because one of those places in Vegas has like 195 taps. You're like, well, which one of these are going to be good? I don't know. You know, uh, it's, it's too much to pick from. Right? Just give me maybe two types of IPA, and and I know they're both good. You know because you picked them out. You know what I mean? I I've, I think I've started to lean towards that more so, where I'm looking for some confidence from the purveyor versus me having to choose from a end, endless list of list of options.
0: You've actually hit upon something in in the time of of too much choice or too much perceived choice. Tastemakers are important. Curators are important rather than tastemakers. They're the ones that can actually make your experience really exciting because do, when you go to a bar, do you want to treat it like a beer festival? S- some days you might, but generally when you go into a bar, <laughs> you want to have one or two drinks and you want to know that those, those, or even three, four or five drinks are going to be enjoyable drinks. And if they're curated by somebody who... who is thinking about their beer lists and and making good choices, then you're more likely to have something that you really enjoy rather than 130 taps and they've just been picked off descriptions off untapped or from the brewers. Having bars, I'm much more confident with a place that has a thriving um, customer base and has 12 taps rather than somebody that still has a thriving customer base and has... Thirty taps and let right, alone a hundred and thirty right. taps. That that to me is right. madness. There's nobody actually making a critical decision over that beer list and over the choices. Um yeah, you're just
1: buying you're buying whatever I can get from the distributor. What can I get? And how do you maintain the draft lines, I think, with the be- kind of hurting my head and I would yes. be getting a headache because I'll be drinking out of your dirty draft lines probably yep. too. But
0: Now I, th- I think outside of a bar setting, what does that mean for somebody in a home setting? Does the same thing hold true for a liquor store than it does for a a bar? D- uh, d- does that choice transfer over into, into the, your bottle shops um, and your take-home beer? Because – I think you've got more time to make choices in in those situations, and yeah. I think the actual risk to the consumer is far less. And as long as you know your um, owner or manager of those stores is is making some choices, I think it, it's the choice is is far more real there, and than you get at a bar that's got 130 taps versus a a a bottle shop that's got 130 choices i think they're two different experiences
1: yeah i think the relationship you can have in a, a store is different than choosing from a list at a bar from you know it's just a different you know, it depends on what store you're going to yes. i mean i don't really go to like Benny's so as much i mean certainly i don't now because um I, I don't need to right uh i'm not and and they would have everything um i i would say that i like You know, Iron and Glass here is sort of more curated set of good beers for sure. But there's also challenges in that they don't sell the volume that Benny's does. So they don't get the access that Benny's probably does. Right. Benny's can get anything. Um, Iron and Glass can pretty much get anything. But it's, you know, they don't have their fingers into every world and beer. Beer is it's not a pay to play thing. It's a sell to play situation right with distributors so um you know you're not going to get a lot of uh say the deepwood series from revolution unless you sell a lot of their state their staples their year rounds um so it's sort of it's hard to compete with every all 40 of the binnies and with the amount of volume you got to move so that's tricky but I do. I do appreciate when the places you have a relationship with someone, they can help recommend something to you, or they can tell you like, "Hey, I'm getting the new." For example, they might tell you like, "Hey, I'm getting twelve pack bottles of Sierra Nevada Celebration in." Do you want a, to buy a twelve pack of bottles of that? And I'll say, "Yes, I do." No, you please would say, give me that. I want. Say that.
0: no. I will. I will take two of those, not just one. I'll take two of those. Knowing you, well, and, I already got a six pack it. in my hand, so oh. <laughs> 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 and,
1: and, of course I, I had bought a six pack a, uh, a like a week, maybe a little less than a week ago, and then the, the twelve pack showed up, and I was like, "Ooh, gonna lock gonna lock my uh, claws into that." Uh, that beer is amazing, and I will be talking to that. That's a seasonal beer from from Sierra Nevada. That uh, I'll probably be talking about more for the coming weeks. I'll be drinking a lot of it, but it's absolutely delightful. So, anywhere you are in the country, you can get that. So, get that. That's just something I would
0: highly recommend. You can occasionally get that here. So good. Um, Now, when we're talking about the number of taps and whatever and choice, what is your ideal tap number going to a bar? regardless of sort of room size or whatever, what's a good volume of choice that you're thinking, oh, their tap lines are probably well-maintained if it's a good business. That's a good enough amount of choice to keep me entertained and probably come back here again because they've got a big enough tap list.
1: Uh, I'd say 10 to 12 is fine. Um, You can go up to 20 if you really want, and I wouldn't get into a fight with you about that. But um, not that I'll get into a fight with anybody, whatever. But I think 10 to 12 is fine, especially for a restaurant. Like, if you're a, a pub type restaurant, like Small Bar was or, or something like that, um, I think 10 to 12 is fine. Now, a place like Hop Leaf, which I also really love, probably has 30. Um, I think that's fine because they do a lot of specialty beer. So you kind of have to keep more. They're keeping more styles around. So they're not just saying, like, you know, I got IPA, I got lager, I got your your kind of core American set of beers. They're also dealing with like, well, we have a whole set of of Belgian and specialty and in, in English and European beers that we keep on all the time, right? I mean, they have a, they have a draft light of Dick Konink on at all times. So, I mean, they have more ground to cover, but I still think they 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 I think they curate the list in the same way where they're going to say like, well, if I'm going to have a Belgian double. Which they often do. I'm having one of the best ones on. Right, we're gonna have Roquefort six, or we're gonna have Saint Bernardus, or we're gonna have you know Chimay, uh-huh. whichever one. You know, uh, we're gonna have those on, and that, that one of those will just right. And uh, we're not like fucking around with. Um, no offense, but uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'll make up a brewery. Uh, we're not fucking around with. Uh, Cook County Brewing's Belgian Bubble Double or whatever, you know, who gives a shit? Just <laughs> just put the good one on. I don't know. I'm not doing yep. that.
0: Saint Bernardus, one of the most underrated beers, just a absolute. Oh,
1: yeah, Bernardus 12 is essentially the same exact recipe as as Westie 12 or I think it's Bernardus apt or whatever, I don't know. But uh it's um the same as Westie 12 and uh it's just it's going it doesn't taste the same because you know, when you've been brewing in the same fucking stone cask for 600 years, there seems to be some other things that might develop, yep. but, um, it does it is the same, almost, I, I believe same to a T recipe of beer. So if you're having a hard time getting that Westy 12 in your hands, which Lord knows we all are, <laughs> maybe you just head down to the bottle shop and buy that for, I think like nine ninety nine, 99 probably. <laughs> so, ridiculous. Yeah, um, give it a go.
0: Yeah, and I I think you make a good point there that it's it's not a set number. It's the amount of curation going on and then the balance within a tap list because you don't need the same turnover out of a Belgian double or triple that you do out of a super hazy IPA. You need to turn that IPA keg over in a week. If um, a triple hangs around for a couple of weeks, no big deal yes, it's probably best the week it's been tapped, but if the lines are maintained in between that time, you're still going to get a great experience, even perhaps a month down the, the track for, for such a specialty tap. I I think um, balance within the list is important. And if you're getting 30 taps of just um, IPA, let's call them milk beers, that, that go off like milk, um, they they are um, more troublesome to me Um even even with a big list, because yeah, how do you know what was tapped six hours ago versus what was tapped six days ago, and that's going to impact your experience.
1: Well, and I would say actually, the um, my biggest concern with that are trying to curate very heavily is actually with hate, with things like hazy IPA. I think it's very hard to keep a good hazy IPA around these days because um, there aren't very many good ones. Um, Frankly, I'll, I'll admit, I don't think there's a lot of very good hazy just sitting around in the, in the distributor warehouses that's available for every bar to get. You know what I mean? Um, or even for every good bar to get, in fact. Um, I, I just don't think that many of them are good. And I like them, you know, as a big fan of hazy IPA. I just don't think it's easy to get a good one. I think a lot of the breweries that make them have variable quality to them. Um so I think it's hard to say like well I'm just going to keep, you know, here you just can't say we're not we're not in a place where you can just say like okay I'm keeping cans of heady topper around all the time. It's not you know you just can't, you know. So what are you saying here? You're like, well I'm going to I like more, like for example, I like the IPAs from More Brewing. I just don't think their distribution is consistent enough, meaning like they don't have enough of the same beers available all the time that I could say like, well, every two weeks or every, oh, whatever you're going to run out of that beer in four days in every, every four to six days, I could have another one, you know what I mean? Or another yeah. keg of the same beer. I could have another variant of their double IPA or whatever, you know, there's just not enough there. So you're sort of curating those lines where, and I would, you know, if I were running, you know, maybe we'll play this game, in a week or in, in the coming weeks as like a, you know sort of ideal draftless setup or something but i like it um there's there's um i would i would keep hazy ipas on of course i love them <laughs> but course. keeping that keeping that line of a high keeping not the line keeping that that handle on a high quality beer that i really like it's going to be really hard. Um, <laughs> if I have the whole world at my disposal, sure, it's it's easy, right? If I could get any burial IPA, I want every perfect, you know, no problem. But I can't, right? I know I won't be able to. I know I'm going to have to try to like sort through a list of like, well, do I want Noon Whistles IPA this week? Is that, you know is that what's that going to be? Uh, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Do I want um, you know microphones? Sometimes it's really good, sometimes it's okay. You know, I can't tell. Don't want hot butchers? They're very sweet. They don't go, you know, it's hard to eat, eat food with those, you know, <laughs> it's just difficult. Um, so you just, you have a lot of, there's a lot of considerations. The The, the thing is it's easy and you can just commit to saying like, well shit, I'm just going to have Saison du on. I'm just going to have it. I can get that. Nobody else wants it. Um, can you sell it? That, that I don't know, right? I mean, I don't know. I'll drink it. But if
0: I'm sitting in the bar, I'm, I'm, I'm Bunny under the no, tap.
1: No problems here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, can I get two-hearted on? I'm sure, you know. Um, I bet I could have a fresh keg of two-hearted almost any time I want. But it's just um, – it, it gets trickier, and you have to balance, like, the ability to sell these beers, too. I don't know. You know, there's a reason – that I probably don't own a bar. It's because I would be, ter- I just buy the beers I really want and then I'd go broke. So,
0: but oops. S- you yeah. know, Speaking about hazies, uh, have you got to the point with any of them? Are they being uh, consistently produced enough where maybe it's not up into the Bell's Two-Hearted territory that, that's become sort of a, a semi-regular in your, your drinking rotation when you want something full of flavour but want an easy choice?
1: Um, not is- one single beer. If I, if the most consistent I could say is like whatever burials, double IPA that they have right now, I would, I want it. You know what I mean? I don't care. They're all good. Um, and honestly, they all have very similar qualities, you know, which makes sense, right? They probably use very similar bill for them. Um, that's fine. I don't mind. Doesn't bug me. Uh, I would buy, I would have that every day of the week. It's my favorite one. Um, but uh, and often do have it every single day of the week. <laughs> but um, there's nothing else I think that I could say, like, I think these maybe maybe Bissell, you know, maybe yep. Bissell Brothers or something like that. I mean, obviously, like, what am I I'm t- talking about? Hey, Topper on draft is a unicorn, right? I've seen it. It's been on draft like twice ever. And one of the times was at NBCC in Denmark. And it's probably, I mean, it's on tap at their place, I would presume, but it, everywhere else I've ever seen, it's in a can. So yeah,
0: I don't think you can put Hetty Topper in that class, but like Deeds have a regular in their rotation called a Juice Train. It's a six and a half percent hazy, um, and it is really good. And four pack of that is like twenty bucks, and that's that's great value in Australian beer terms once you add in the tax and and what our dollar is actually worth. Right. And right. so that to me, any time I see that on the shelf at my local IGA, that's probably going in the bag yep. with, a, with a half a dozen mixed yep. cans. And that, that's sort of become part of my regular rotation. It's, it's relatively cheap for the style of beer that it is and the amount of hops and the costs that it are actually involved. And I know it's always going to be good. Their quality control for that particular beer is outstanding.
1: There's beers that they could make that, that company, not they, that, that any brewery here that like say more could make double space boots and they can make it forever. And I would probably buy it most of the time. You know what I mean? I'd just say like, that's here. It's good. I need some IPA. I'll pick it up. But the, the consistency of availability of hops, I think make it very difficult to, and and the quantity needed to produce these beers I think makes it difficult for smaller breweries to commit to brewing something like that at all times. I think that's sort of my, my gander at why that's an issue. Uh, there's a lot of citra in the world, um, but there's also a lot of breweries in the world that want citra, is the problem, right? <laughs> um, and so they keep making more citra and more mosaic and more everything else and that's why you see a lot of breweries having to keep kind of switch up their IPAs too. Is that, okay, well this, this IPA has, um, now it has Sabro and, and Strata in it or something. And then it's like, Oh shit. Now Sabro is the hottest hop on earth. So now it has, Oh, so nobody cares about Citra again. So now has Citra in it. Okay. So that's fine. (laughs) Um, it's just like, you don't know what to do. Um, so you just keep like coming up with new names for different beers that are probably a very similar combination. It's, wild but I would definitely have hazy IPA am my in my fri- I have it in my fridge at all times. I have I would have it on my clothes at all times, but it would be one of those handles. It's one of those things that I'm just like it can never be can never be the same. Uh honestly I probably have a hard time doing it with two because I just like so many of the different ones. So maybe maybe it's just maybe it's just maybe I'm just not the type of person to lock into anything. So um maybe this is gonna be a very hard game for me to play when we do the uh, ideal draft list thing, but we'll just have to see. I thought we'd uh, head into uh, one more uh, delightful segment for the day, a classic game that everybody loves. It's another edition of Untrapped. This edition, Tony, uh, well, of course, we all know the backstory to Untrapped, I hope. But if you don't, if you're new to the show, um, welcome. You're a listener, 60,001. Congrats. Um, No prize, sorry. But um, Untrapped, uh, Tony has been kicked by me, supposedly, into a very deep well. He's stuck down there, and now what he has to do is tell me... um, uh, what the rating is on these today four beers. And if he can get, um, you know, t- two or three of them right into a, ra- then I'll, uh, lift him out. And, uh, if he only gets like one, right. Or gets none, right. He has to stay down there, but he's got a pretty luxe pad down there. Like, uh, I've mentioned, I think he has like 60s, 70s, porno flicks, maybe some like, you know, those old, like, Sixties, I don't know what's a sixties sixties porno mag look like. I don't know what that is. Lots um, of bush. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, probably just in general, right? And it's <laughs> yep. and it's woody down there too in the lair So, so <laughs> he, he'll be living it up either way. We do I have a bathrobe and a pipe?
0: If I've got those things, then I am set.
1: You got a bathrobe, you got a pipe, and you got a, you got Zoom on your computer. You can do anything.
0: And I've got a cave full of Westy twelve. I am good.
1: Yeah, no problems here. Um, so this this edition of Untrapped Tony, we're coming up on Thanksgiving. We all love Thanksgiving, uh, Tony. I know you're celebrating Thanksgiving every year, of course, um, by yourself. Uh, so Tony, I don't know how much you know about Thanksgiving here. I'm sure you know as much as you need to know, but you probably know there's a meal, Tony. What are some of the What are some of the foods you think about for American Thanksgiving? What do you got in your head? Turducken?
0: No. Uh, turkey, okay. yep. which, which I'll make clear yeah, to because turkey, yeah. we have turkey at Christmas occasionally. I think turkey is a garbage bird. I think the way 95% of people prepare it, including family that have prepared it for me, have do a terrible job, and I think other birds do a much better job at actually being entertaining to eat. Outside of that, you're looking at classic sides like um, whether you want to call it dressing or stuffing, um you've got sure. your yep. candy yams um that's one that i sort of think about um the cranberry um, jelly or cranberry sauce um, right yep which there was a big debate on bon appetit last year when that was a decent channel um about whether sumac <laughs> should be in Literally, the cranberry yeah. sauce right. and um what else uh, about Thanksgiving football, of course. I know that's not food related, but of course you've got the the five yeah, games that take place on on Thanksgiving. Or this year it could be one or be two, like depending one maybe, on, yeah. on 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 COVID restrictions and which games get cancelled that morning.
1: Literally, used to be one game. Yes, it was one game. It was the, like the Lions. So maybe it was the Lions and the Cowboys, something like that. There is there are two maybe, but. Um, Yep. So you got all, you got pretty much all that nailed down. Um, Anything of course, our listeners?
0: Ambrosia salad. Is that a Thanksgiving thing?
1: That's just any time your family gets together, not your family, but anyone's family in the Midwest gets together. Is that like a whole pineapple marshmallow? Salad that gets served with your turkey. I just don't <laughs> know why it all comes out at the same time.
0: What about green bean casserole?
1: Green bean casserole is a good one. Yep, that that comes out any holiday, especially around here. Um, I'm actually uh, frito pie. Uh, you could do frito pie. sure I, I'd actually, I would love it if somebody made frito pie around here. Um, That'd be down. I'd be down for that. Tony, I'm actually making chicken this year. I, I'm refusing to participate in the turkey. Uh, I'm, I'm going to roast a chicken. I'm going to cut it into parts and roast it really high heat, get a nice little crust on there.
0: Is that because you are in agreement with me that turkey is a garbage bird or because you've got a small small household that turkey is just not worth it or you prefer chicken or, or what's what's the deal there?
1: All those, I don't like turkey. Um, I don't actually, I don't, I'm don't. i just indifferent to it. It's not worth it. Um, I've brined it. I've made it taste good, you know, brine it overnight, you know, roast it. Uh, at many different temperatures to try to keep it moist and get some kind of skin crisp on it different seasonings different you know whatever it's just it's fine it's a lot of work for being fine and i could roast a chicken better it'll be faster and it'll be easier i can put some lemon and some thyme around there i can get more flavor into it i can roast it at a higher heat all that stuff and it will will Taste better, so I'm just gonna do that. It's only I only have two people here, we'll, we'll be eating off that for days.
0: Only advice I would give is just add a little bit of tarragon in with the thyme, it's uh, really goes well with chicken,
1: dude. That sounds great. I love tarragon, it's like an all time favorite, just tasting. I don't know why, but I find it very distinct and I love it in everything I've ever had in it, it's well- so good.
0: You um, like aniseed yeah. things, and it's got a slight aniseed, but in a non-offensive That's a way. a good point. Yeah, it does. In a really herbal, um, subtle way.
1: Yeah, I think you're exactly right, actually. That makes a lot of sense. Um, now, our listeners, we know, you know for Thanksgiving, I, at least I can take a guess, unfortunately they're probably eating the turkey roll and brown water from like the prison cafeteria <laughs> or something, wherever they are. Maybe if they're lucky, they're going to Cracker Barrel with their parole agent. Um, um, and even maybe a little better than that, they can at least sit at home and get their t shirts stained up with some a 10 pack from Taco Bell. But, um, Hey, you know what? Maybe we can bring back some of the memories of that with this version of untrapped, um, the Thanksgiving edition. So Tony, I have four beers. Um, a lot of the things you just said, you might recognize them in fact. So get excited for that. Um, so I got four what you're gonna do? I'm gonna give you name of the beer. I'll give you three. I'll give you the description. I'll give you up almost anything you want if you ask for it and uh, you're going to tell me what the rating is on this beer. Uh, pretty simple game. So here's your first uh, your first uh, 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 I guess one is uh, it's called Turkey and Turkey and Gravy. It's by Turning Point Beer. It's an IPA, double IPA, we'll say, double New England IPA. So double (laughs) IPA with Citra El Dorado Simcoe Eupulin eupulin powder and a touch of wheat for a delightful pillowy mouthfeel makes a perfect companion for a hearty holiday meal, 8.2%. It's got almost 1,200 check-ins. Uh, for this beer, from Turning Point Beer, Turkey and Gravy. Tony, what do you think is the rating on this one?
0: Now, are you familiar with this brewery, and, and what, what sort of reputation do they have? Are you able to give me those things?
1: I am actually not familiar with this brewery. Uh, it appears to be a brewery of some size or and probably some renown because of the amount of check-ins. The label is pretty popular. What part of the country? Oh, that I really don't know, actually. Um, let's look, let's find out. Is in Bedford, Texas, and I don't know. So Texas, it's, okay. It's like halfway between Dallas and Fort Worth. Okay. Uh, it's uh right by LB LD Bell High School, which is actually <laughs> a famous high school oh, in okay. for band people, I guess. Yes. So it's a very large high school
0: sorry famous high school for band people are there actually schools that are famous for their marching bands is that a thing oh
1: yeah there. oh yeah absolutely there are high schools that are i mean they're the ones that compete in like national contests um and do well and ld bell is one of those yeah so there's like kind know, 20 or so that people probably have heard of um if you're in that community i'm not going to say i'm proud that i know i recognize that, but i did um <laughs> So Turning Point Beer looks okay. pretty I mean I don't know they're pretty slick looking. I'll at least say that. So it looks like in the in the world of Texas breweries this is probably one of the one of the better ones, especially in Dallas where they don't they they haven't had a, as as big of a as a of a bubble as everyone else has.
0: Based on that big brewery people I think with bigger breweries they don't take names as literal as they do from a smaller producer. I think if, if a smaller producer with, with a a small tap room says turkeys and gravy, I think sometimes their customer base can take that as really literal and expect turkeys and gravy in their beer. I I think because it's from a bigger name, I, I don't know where that logic come from. Don't, I could be very flawed in that thinking. I'm I'm going to think it, it's going to score well. People aren't going to get confused that this actually has turkey in it. Um look, this beer
1: sounds good, by the way. I'll say yeah. that Citra Eldorado, Simcoe, a little touch bit of, of wheat. wheat for delightful pillowy mouthfeel. Yep. Sounds delicious to me. Yeah.
0: And and lupulin powder. And that's a word that I had just had trouble with. I'm going to I'm going to say that it's it's in the fours. And I'm going to say it's in the low fours. I think it's uh four
1: it's four. Wow. You think four point four is a low four. Sorry,
0: four point one four.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say it was like Ugh. that's
0: a bang on mid four. Sorry for the confusion. Right. I left uh, out a number you, there. You
1: Almost nailed it, actually. Uh four point one eight. We're gonna give that one as a as a one for Tony. Uh he gets within he gets within four hundredths of a point. Um yeah so this one a turning point actually entered my radar when I started looking this up cuz I kind of dug around into their other beers and they look pretty good so I think these guys next time I'm in Dallas you know when the hell is that going to be right but uh next time I'm there sure I would definitely go check this joint out All right this now now it's going to get good all right this one I'm excited for uh, I think I think our listeners are going to like this one, even <laughs> even from their jail even from their jail cells, they might they might get a giggle out of this one. All right, uh, this one is called Mashed Potato Time, which makes me think of the dance, of course, right? Yes. Uh, course. It's from Hourglass Brewing. Hourglass Brewing is in the Orlando area, um, and it's an American wild ale, which already you know
0: alarm bells, alarm bells are going. Yeah.
1: Alarm bells firing off. Yep, seven um, percent. Ooh, bigger alarm bells. Yep, three hundred and twenty-eight check-ins on this. Another one where you know the logo maybe not quite as like hyper polished as the turning point one, but it's 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 it fits their sort of ethos. I think you know it's got a picture of a bowl of mashed potatoes on it. It's got the name of the beer written on there, they had a placemat, you know, it's sort of it's sort of more like um, you know, photographic style type type, you know, logo for the beer. So Tony, this has a this has a excellent description. Uh, it's 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 very good. So here you go. Grab the stuffing and gravy. It's mashed potato time. Neutral yet funky and slightly bitter. This beer leaves drinkers with a soft, buttery mouthfeel. Ooh. Brewed with brewed with all natural potato flakes, <laughs> mashed potato thyme is a 100% Britannomyces ale fermented in oak fooders, meaning she's a funky one. The grain bill includes a foundation of pale malt, a unique and biscuity heritage Chevalier barley malt, and more, more, more potato flakes to provide a starchy touch of body, fruity character and a crisp finish. So Tony, I did want to say, so Tony, I'm sure you're familiar with potato flakes. Absolutely. Um, Deb is they, the most they popular have
0: a, brand in Australia, which you have to put a shit ton of butter with. And of course, KFC also have a potatoes and gravy made with potato flakes.
1: Sure. They have a bad reputation here because of the mashed potato thing, right? They come in the instant box. I have used them in other things. I think they have function. I'll yes, say potato like milk flakes. powder.
0: It has functions in crumbles and stuff.
1: I actually made a Jacques Pepin recipe of potato leek soup um, using potato flakes. And it was uh, absolutely delightful. I mean, I loved it. Um, and I threw in some other potato. I threw in some potato chunks too. So it had real potato, but um, it was excellent as a soup you know, kind of body giver to some soup. Um, I could see it in potato bread. I know you can use it. Um, I think there's function for something like this. Now, apparently there's another function though, Tony, it's in beer and fermented with Brett, um, in Oak fooders. So Tony with 328 ratings and a very unusual beer, what do you think this one's pulling down for a rating?
0: I think um, there are some real red flags with this. American wild ale being a problem, uh, the location of the brewery being a problem as far as doing wild fermentations. That seems way too hot in the wrong climate for doing wild ales and could lead to a swampy mess. Oak food is a fine, but if that's a selling point in this style of beer, I don't know about it. And the, the biggest alarm bell... For me was the buttery taste. Potato flakes I don't have a problem with, they're a starch, they'll break down, they won't add a lot of flavour. You're not gonna get a beer yeah. that tastes like, like you you you're drinking a or consuming a, a Jacques pan potato soup in beer form. That's that's not sure. gonna happen. Now he
1: did to be clear, they did say a buttery mouth. So I don't know if that tells you anything different. <laughs> it says diastol um, to me. They did not. They did not say. Die, you know. They didn't come out and say die. So, Um And I also couldn't tell if that line was was a was playing a like was playing the bit of mashed potatoes. Right. It sounds yeah, like I'm something sorry, I would write. If we were playing real or fake, if we were playing the real or fake game, I think you'd be you'd be like, I don't know. I'll tell you this um, is fake. Is that something <laughs> stupid that Griff came up with? You you're okay? You're dinging this.
0: But I'm not going to ding it as far as. I think it should be scored. Um, I think this comes in at three point seven eight on untapped.
1: Ooh. Uh, Tony, I, I gotta say I don't think that's close enough uh, for for me for the you know, for our listen, if you got that wrong and you were at Stateville, you'd be you'd be getting an ass womping right now. Uh, it's a three point four six
0: that's where i actually would have thought it would have scored but people in florida are stupid
1: yeah that's some one of the problems it's hard anything with florida is sort of the twilight zone it's hard to hard to tell what they're going to do especially in orlando where you know i would guess there's some visitors to this brewery in the orlando area that are just like dads trying to get away from disney for for yes. one for a few hours and so pay for anything um so I've, I've actually been to, I haven't been to this brewery. I've been to breweries in Orlando that I thought were pretty good, but, um, I've heard decent things about this brewery, but this beer, very concerning. Uh, overall, uh, I, I, would not be interested in trying this beer in any, in any way. Um, so you're one for two, we'll say the, the first one you hit right on the head, this one, maybe a little bit off. I thought your logic was good. So you, it feels like you're in good form right now. Uh, Maybe that will help you with this one. Uh, this one, unfortunately, Tony, I was not able to muster up a description, but I was able to muster up some reviews for you. So we'll have to use those in place of the uh, in, in place of the rev- in place of the description from the brewery. But this is from a big brewery. This is from Cigar City Brewing, I, and you heard of them?
0: I, I think I've had some Cigar City beers in the past.
1: Uh, famously, you know, High Lye, great beer. Uh, They make uh, huna Hoonapoo's, whatever. Um, They make, uh, and they also make this, Mom's Famous Stuffing. It's a brown ale. It's an English brown ale. It has 231 check-ins, so certainly not one of their more like, they're not distributing this, we'll just say. Yep. Five and a half percent, 192 ratings.
0: Give me some reviews.
1: Reviews. Philip N. says, funky and brown with sage notes. David H. says, it legit tastes like turkey stuffing. And it's really working for me, so he liked it. Uh, legit has the stuffing flavor and spelled flavor with the U, so maybe there's a European guy, I don't know. Canadian maybe. Or Australian. Delicious. We spell it both ways. Uh, here's one, Y why here's a here's a tough review for it why no stop A. all right but really no more kind of weird but appreciate the effort
0: this is Uh, one of these um really polarizing beers kind of like the salt and vinegar chip beer that i had i really don't know where to place this this seems really divisive to
1: me any more reviews neil a says i'm not sure if that's how stuffing tastes so what we didn't learn from that was whether he had stuffing or if he wasn't sure if this beer tasted like stuffing. Uh, here's a German person, um, liquid stuffing, very nice-tasting brown ale, uh, remarkably like stuffing. So this beer, I can only assume, so I'm reading these to you to tell you, this is not just a name. Yep. This beer has some component, and here's somebody else, while it tastes like it has some... Worcester sauce in it. They did not spell that right. (laughs) Uh, Thanksgiving stuffing yesterday was way better. So he didn't like it. So this, oh, okay. No, this doesn't have a description either. You could get a, oh my God. Okay. This is going to be another rabbit hole. I'm going to let you guess the rating and then we're going to talk about this. But, um, Tony, this beer definitely has some of the components of stuffing in it. I don't know whether that's just sage. I don't know if that's bread. I don't know what, but what, what do you think this is pulling down?
0: I, I think um, it's definitely um, got some sage characteristics. I, I think we can definitely say that. Um, and I think it's also safe to say that it's got some sort of bready component to it. And the, mm-hmm. the one that threw me for a loop but makes complete sense, which is going to be – I don't know where to place it in the in the scoring rubric is Worcestershire sauce. Um which I I love to hear Americans say you you just cut it off and you said Worcester rather than going through the because Americans add a second shire and and the
1: Worcestershire <laughs> sauce yeah
0: yep. um, interesting reviews very polarizing reviews I think this is going to bounce between four and a half fives to twos don't think I'm going to rate it up in the four and a halfs and but I think it's going to vary between people who who love it and get it and, and have enjoyed their few ounces that they had. I don't think it's a beer that you'd want um, 16 ounces of. I think give me six and you be It clearly happy.
1: came – I'll, I'll give you another hint. It came in a flight. So um, it was part of a flight. So nobody – I don't believe anybody drinking 16 ounces.
0: Yep. So, therefore, it's going to score higher. 181 check-ins, not a lot. Um, a stunt beer, in the truest sense of the word, this is done for a flight of, I'm guessing, Thanksgiving beers. Um, like the Salt That's and vinegar right. beer. I'm going to say this scores really um, poorly. So, really poorly on Untapped is in the range of that last beer. But I'm going to say it scores... Um, a, a little higher. It's going to push between where I rated the last beer and where that last beer scored. And it's going to be uh, 3.59.
1: Tony, not quite. You actually missed it by about the same amount. This is a 3.28 for Mom's Famous Stuffing. That's tough. That's a that was a really tough one.
0: <laughs> you were you were not wrong. Like I can understand it, but was I right to say there were there were some fives and there were there were a lot of ones and twos? Yeah, there.
1: That's exactly what happened, right? So people are either rating this four to a five, or not rating it, or they're giving it a two. Um, this was part of a flight that included a turkey dinner, lager, the stuffing, a can of cranberries, a cranberry white ale and a all the pie and coffee which is a coffee pumpkin ale on nitro um
0: that sounds delightful
1: that actually sounds really good yeah so that that's what was going on here uh i i would love to know what was in this beer to make it i i guess some people have been saying cranberries and sage you could do a lot with sage and kind of the brown ale malt that i think could start to translate a stuffing type flavor so i'm wondering if that was most of it all right, last one, Tony. This one I think is more in our in your wheelhouse because you've played you've played around with these guys a little bit more. Um, these are fr- this is from our friends at Evil Twin Brewing, New York City. Uh, this is called Mrs. Sorice's Sweet Potato Casserole. Uh, it's uh, got almost fourteen hundred check ins, seven percent. It's a fruited sour is what they say. Um, I think that's probably because they couldn't say a vegetable sour. But <laughs> So this is a sour ale brewed with sweet potato, vanilla, cinnamon, nutmeg, brown sugar, pecans, marshmallow, and maple syrup. Notes of caramelized yams, baker's spice, sticky marshmallow with accents of toasted pecan and maple syrup. Medium bodied and tart. Um, and, and Tony, if you didn't know, I think you mentioned candy, deals, but this is in that family, like a sweet potato casserole is absolutely a dish you would have with Turkey. And it absolutely does have little marshmallows on it, um, and nuts and stuff. It's very, very sweet. It doesn't fit in really, but unless you're just used to eating Thanksgiving dinner, which I obviously am. So, um, the, the dish itself tastes wonderful. I, I love it. Um, it's sweet as all get out, but. It is fun to eat once a year. So,
0: yeah, it sounds like it'd be perfect to go with like a um, pork chop rather than than turkey. I think
1: oh, of the course, sweetness yeah. cutting goes, through that oh. fattiness. I actually, nothing re- goes with turkey. Yeah.
0: Really like the sound of this beer. Um, and I have high hopes because it is um, evil twin. Um, I don't have any real red flags other than it is a Thanksgiving beer and everybody has seen how high I've, I've come above where a lot of these beers have scored, but I think this scores um, as a relatively solid beer. Is it going to be in that, that really high fours towards five? No. But is it, is it going to be above four? Yes, I think it is. Um, and... Um, <laughs> Do I have concerns over the style? I think people know what they're getting when Evil Twin says that on a on a can or a bottle. Um, I think Evil Twin are fairly good at describing their beers, and their customer base are, are relatively assured of what they're going to get. So I'm going to score this as a four point two five beer.
1: All right, Tony, I'm going to give it to you because I'm feeling generous. Yes you were a little hard it's a 4.12 yeah so oh, within, close enough you're within a tenth or so yeah um yeah. this is uh this is a tough one the the sign for me maybe the one piece of logic that you you maybe missed on that one in terms of getting it closer on the dot would have been the alcohol percentage yeah um fair enough if you could get it, i think a 7% is a sign that you're probably not going to get into the, the 4 twos to four point threes. Yep. it's you're 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 enough in the ballpark. So we're gonna give you that. I'll get you out of the well for Thanksgiving. I know you're gonna be all in Australia there. And uh I think that's pretty good. Uh those are some funny Thanksgiving beers. Um I if I had options I would probably try three of the four of these. I think I would I think I would go after the mom's famous stuffing. Um, I would love to, to, that's a good gimmick to me. I think the, the evil twin beer, I would, I absolutely no doubt. And I think the IPA sounds good. I would totally buy this IPA if it were around. So, uh, the mashed potato beer though, I want no part of it. Doesn't sound good. doesn't (laughs) sound like it has anything to do with mashed potatoes and the taste. It just sounds like it doesn't taste very good. So, um, I would just skip on that one, I think.
0: Yep. But you were speaking about can art throughout this whole, um, Game and it reminded me of a beer that I had. Um, and I tagged you in actually. Um, and that was uh, by uh, Danton's um, Apocalypso um, 2 second wave New England style IPA. And it had one of the most amazing canuts um, involving our um premier, which is kind of like our, our state governor or whatever your state leader would be. He he's he's our leader on a state level. It's got him as a zombie, and everybody else as zombies, and m- not only making fun of him, making fun of the whole pandemic. It's got hand sanitizer in it, and it's got five um, G signs, and yeah, it's a really really <laughs> outstanding can. So if it's um, pretty funny, yeah, for Australian brewers, I think it's some of the best can up we've seen, and. Um, yeah, it was a delicious beer along alongside it. So yeah, huge fan of it.
1: I'll post this on the Instagram when we when we get this show up. That's a that is a good label. Um, what they mean by second wave IPA, um, I, second wave any IPA. I have no idea what they mean, but um, I guess that's probably second. Yeah, second wave of Hedy Topper, I guess. Hetty Topper being a first wave, would probably be <laughs> no, my guess. But
0: no, they made a version um, one, and this, and when COVID oh, first popped up, and they've made a version two with a different hop.
1: Call. Oh, it's a version two of that. See, I'm thinking of like third wave type stuff, not just no. a second wave of the disease or whatever. I yep. get it. That's fun. Now it's funny. Okay, very good. <laughs> um, all right, Tony, uh, we. Uh, we achieved a uh, full full podcast uh, completion i shouldn't have said that <laughs> why did i say that cuz that um, fits in
0: with the intro to the show that was perfect
1: exactly we jeff we just jeffrey tube in the uh, the podcast and we, we aren't even looking at each other which i think is really good um,
0: like do you remember when when homer almost um melted down the the reactor in springfield and it was called Pulling a Homer, and you've got Magic Johnson slipping on the court.
1: Yeah, I, exactly. I, I feel yeah. like
0: any sexual offence now. We used to call it doing a weiner, of course, after Anthony Weiner. But I think it's it. I think I think you're tubing it now. I think that's got a real ring to it. Pulling a tubing, He's doing a
1: tubing, pulling a tubing. He's tubing. He's tubing.
0: I like it. I think it'll take off. I'm I'm going to yeah. force it into the uh, Australian lexicon.
1: I think, I think the meme to take a look at right now, it's not a, it's not a pick, It's just a meme going around Twitter. It's the um, people who are responding to the post that I think he made or the New Yorker made or whatever that said, um, you know, he had been let go and then responding and saying, why, what did he do? It's really funny. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Uh, if you want to listen to more of this, you know, make sure you keep uh, subscribing and Reviewing us and doing all that stuff that you would do on um, podcast feeds, I guess. Uh, as as we know, I don't know podcasts, so you know, uh, you could email us, and we did get a, a couple emails this week um, sure of people who have been interested in uh, our Black Wednesday hang, and we will be doing that. So um, we're going to be there, whether whether you guys are there or not. You know, you're just going to miss out, but. Uh, we, you know, I, I, know people are going to miss hanging out at the bars. They're going to miss getting together with their friends and their family. Well, me and Tony are here for you. We're your real family now. And you can, uh, you can hang out with us and play fucking quiplash. And, uh, uh, I'll be writing a trivia game or like a two brews type game. Haven't decided yet. We'll see. But just hit me up on the, uh, email address. It's beer at gmail.com. And you can uh, get the discord. We'll give you the discord invite. You can come hang out, put you in the channel, chill out for an hour, two hours, half hour, five minutes, whatever you want to do, whatever you're down for. That's cool. Um, what else do we do? Get on Instagram. Take a look at us. Uh, beer engine pod on Instagram, funny posts. haha. <laughs> ha. Very good. And, uh, I think, uh, what else can you do, Tony? You can check us out on Twitter. Didn't wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) Uh, but it is beer engine pod. If you want to follow us on Twitter and maybe if I post something, it would be worth it. Uh, Hey, uh, what about untapped? I'm Griff. Uh, I am Griff AD, I think you are. And, um, and I am St. Moz. Tony is St. Moz. um, and you can find us there too and look at what hazy IPAs we're drinking and look at all the good can art and stuff that we're posting. So, Tony, anything else? Did I get it all? Oh, I, think I need you to write, a, I... Need to write a script for this, I think.
0: <laughs> Maybe we should um, put it together and I can just hit the button right at the end. I will say I am heading to my uh, local IGA to pick up some beer. Very excited about uh, the Barrel Farm, which has put out – a series put out by uh, Blackman's and they've got a uh, sour New England IPA. So that, that seems Mm. exciting to me.
1: Definitely worth a shot. I've, I've had hit or miss variations on that, but I think it's worth, worth giving a go. All right, guys, uh, we'll talk to you next week. You know, we'll be here uh, later on.